a Telltale Pod production. Spirit Bird by Jasbinda Belan Chapter 6 Perched in the low doorway is a woman, barely taller than me, lighting up the darkness with the stub of a candle. Unfathomable musty smells billing out of the house. I stay right beside you, Van, square my shoulders and try to control the beat, beat, beat of my heart, pounding in my ears. The woman's white hair is parted in the middle and twisted into a loose bun, a pointed black and white porcupine quill sticking out of it. She wears a green cotton sari, the loose fabric thrown over her skinny shoulder, the bottom of the fabric the same colour as the ground, as if she sprouted from the earth. And look at who it is, she says, flashing a row of crooked teeth like stunted tombstones. It's the Thunder Baby and her friend. Only Ma ever calls me that. So how does this old woman know my special name? My stomach folds in on itself and I suddenly wish I'd run back when I still had the chance. Chitra Gupta, she says, pointing to herself with a twisted fingernail. So you want me to look at your palm, do you? Have I mentioned my palm? It's as if she's already reading my mind, and it sends fear coursing through me. Welcome, she beckons us into the house. No, Asha, let's not, Jeevan whispers. Who knows what's in there? Let's make a run for it. No, I say, surprising myself. Thinking about Ma's words, I pull him into the house, even though my nerves are jangling and I'm more frightened than I can ever remember. Come on, Jivan. We can't turn back now. It's the only way I'll be sure what to do. It's a hot night, but strangely... Chitragupta has a fire burning in the hearth and something bubbling away in a heavy pot etched with an ancient-looking writing. We exchange a petrified look, staring with horror towards the pot. I grip Jivan's arm, sliding myself as close to him as possible. Sit, sit, she says, pointing to a tatty woven bench on one side of the fire. She dips a steel cup into the pot and brings it out filled with milky chai. It's not what I thought at all, but I still can't drink it. Chukriya, I say politely. I hold the cup in my hand, not daring to put it to my lips. Jivan isn't drinking his either, just looking down at the floor with his hands firmly clamped around the cup. He concentrates on holding it still, but the chai trembles. Yes, I say. I I need you to read my lines. My words come out slowly, as if I'm still unsure. 
and tell me what to do. Drink a little chai first, she says, challenging us. She stares so hard that I'm forced to take the tiniest sugary sip and a strange herbal taste that I don't recognise clings to my tongue. What have I done? But before I can warn Jivan, he does the same. Chitra Gupta sits on her stool and gives me a beaming smile in the semi-darkness of the room, the candlelight in the fire showing the lines and wrinkles carved into her ghostly pale skin. She pulls the porcupine quill from her bun, releasing a tangle of wild white hair which floats around her face like writhing serpents. Now! She says, her voice as crackly as wizened winter leaves crunched underfoot. We are ready to begin. She throws back her head, grasps my hands and begins stroking my palms. Her fingers feel like hot metal as she traces the lines I've studied over and over again. Her voice is changed now. It's low and cavernous, coming from a place deep inside her. Goddess of the mountain, she says in a rumbling voice. Reveal to us the sacred path these friends must follow. She studies my palms, narrowing her eyes. You have a long journey ahead of you. I see snowy peaks that go higher and higher. You have been called by the mountain gods, my daughter. If you want your papa back, you must go and light a diva at the most northerly temple of the Himalayas at Kasari. This is important. It's where the daughter of the mountain, the holy river Ganges, starts her journey. A cool breeze fills the room and I hear gushing water as if it's pouring out of a rock. Remember the story. When Lord Shiva had to slow the Ganges down and when he laid his long hair in her way, she lifts my chin and forces me to stare into her eyes. They seem to spit out fire, making a high wall of flames between us. Roaring tigers spring out of the flames, snarling with sharpened white fangs, coming so close that their sour breath warms my skin. I'm hotter than the time I had a fever and thought I was being chased by a pack of wolves. She tightens her grip on my hands and my head drops to my chest. I feel like I'm in the middle of a dream with my eyes wide open and I can't believe what I'm seeing, but it's there, as clear as day. All around the edge of a magical circle, rows of green vines twist into the air. The room is filled with banyan trees with their long snake-like roots, giant figs dripping from thick stems, blue and yellow Himalayan poppies waving in the gloom. I want to know if Jeevan can see these things as well, but it's like my tongue has gone to sleep and it feels thick and useless. The Ganges made a great sacrifice by coming to the earth. Chitra Gupta's voice whirls into my head. If you want your journey to go well, then you must make a sacrifice too. 
shave your head like a real pilgrim and wear orange and yellow for luck. The Lamajayas will guide your journey. They are the spirits of your ancestors. They will watch over you. She releases my hands at last. Asha, you must go on this journey. Your papa is calling you. I blink, and the fire, forest, and tigers vanish as suddenly as they appeared, leaving me chilled to the bone and as if I've been wandering through wind-torn woodlands and icy mountains forever. I bring my hands to my mouth and puff warm air into them, but they are still frozen. I hold them above the fire, which sends out sparks and crackles like water being thrown onto oil. Chitragupta jumps off the rickety stool, sticks a long piece of wood into the leaping flames, and lights a bunch of incense sticks. Lifting them into the air, she swirls the smoke in white clouds around both of us. The smell of spices mixed with strange animal scents in the small room make me giddy, and I have to grip the edge of the stool to stop myself tumbling to the floor. You didn't know if you should come here or not, Asha, but it was right. I know you will use your powers for the good of others. Blessings for your journey. Asha, Jivan yanks my arm. Come on! We stumble towards the doorway as she scatters a handful of rose petals behind us. May the gods smile on you, my children, she says, stepping outside. I will watch as you go. We sprint away through the yard as fast as we can, away from the house with the breeze rattling and the hanging beaks behind us. We don't stop until we're right past her gate, where we clutch each other and let out screams of hysterical, high-pitched laughter. That was another Tell a Tale Pod production. Remember that you can follow, share and find more of our podcasts at tellatalepod.podbean.com